0: I love Easter. It brings back so many different memories. About 15 years ago, two of my sons gave me an Easter memory that is unbelievably wonderful and crazy at the same time. Matthew and Michael were about eight and six at the time. And of course, like most eight and six year old guys, they are planning for the the Easter egg hunt event of the day that their grandparents used to do for them, because we're talking hundreds upon hundreds of Easter eggs. Okay, and so they were planning and they were they were really anticipating this. And so what they were doing was practicing their Easter egg hunting skills. So Matthew had to, was hiding a couple of plastic eggs in his room, and Michael was going around trying to find them. And they did this over and over again. I'm trying to get ready for church, so I'm listening to this this, this great event that's happening. And eventually, Matthew got tired of hiding them. He wanted to try to exercise his egg-hunting skills. So he asked Mikey to start hiding the eggs. Mikey, at this is tired of the game and no longer wants to participate in this game so he's refusing to hide the eggs so Matthew is begging him imploring him just saying come on Mikey well, it's your turn to hide the eggs it's your turn and he's getting nowhere with Mikey because most people who know Mikey he's immovable when he stands <laughs> so so Matthew decides he's got the edge here he's the older brother plus he's got the God card So he plays the God card and says, you know, come on, Mikey. Mikey, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus, Jesus would play with me. And Mikey said, so go play with Jesus then. (laughs) Father, we thank you that we can joyfully come into your presence. And that you joyfully receive us. Oh, thank you for that. That there doesn't have to be any hesitation on our part to come to you. You open your heart, you open your, this, the treasures of your heart for us, to have us to come into your presence and not to leave your presence. Thank you for that. We thank you, Father, that we get to celebrate this great event, this wonderful moment, resurrection. And that it wasn't a one-time event. It was a, it was something that was meant to change us forever. That we had, we had the privilege, the honor of being with you forever. So, Father, as as we enter this part of worship, as we enter, help us not to take lightly what you did for us. But help us to boldly come into your presence. our Father, right now, and allow your great love to wash over us. And do the work that needs to be done right now in all our hearts. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. <laughs> if you would turn to your Bibles to Matthew twenty eight, starting in verse one. Now, after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus, who is crucified. He's not here. For he has risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly. And tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them. And said, Greetings. And they came up, and they took hold of his feet, and they worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers. I love that. They go to Galilee, and there they will see me. I love this story. And I'm wondering this morning, I wasn't planning on this. I'm wondering this morning, you heard that story. Many of us have read that story over and over again. We've heard it over and over again. And sometimes, because we know the end of the story, we sometimes lose the details of the story. And we take it for granted. I do. So I'm wondering, we just read this story. You've already probably heard it at least a few times this weekend, this week. You've read it. You've meditated on it. I'm wondering this morning if you wouldn't mind telling me what this story means to you. If you just take a few moments just to say, Oh, this this story does this to me.
1: As with everything pertaining to God, this precious story means love and it means life and it means this new beginning of taking our hearts, which can be hard and dirty, and just laying them down and saying like Jesus did, not my will but thy will be done. And that daily sacrifice, which is our love gift back to him, I want it to be the focal point always of my life, to keep it simple, to keep it real, to keep it on point. Life from his love, and may I live my life to let others know that he loves them. Thank you.
2: While jesus was alive uh he had told his apostles so many of the things that were going to happen to him like the fact that he was going to die for them that he was uh going to rise again and the apostles not understanding anything that he was telling them didn't really believe it until it until it actually happened So what this story means to me is is the hope that comes from everything that God tells us in his word. There are so many times when we follow God's word and we don't see things happening the way we expect them to happen because, God, you said to pray for this, we prayed for it, and it's not really happening that way. But the story brings out the hope that... What God says is going to come about. It just doesn't always come about the way we want to see it or when we want to see it. So that's what the story means to me. It's hope.
0: Amen.
3: I love all the backstories that that come with such an important event. As I look at this, I remember the place that women had. In that culture they were despised they were I don't even know second-class citizen is the right word because they didn't even have a class they -hmm. could be put away for any reason and here Jesus the greatest feminist of all time Mm -hmm. raises them up on equal footing with the men who were his disciples Mm -hmm. I wonder how the disciples felt about that if (laughs) they even noticed Or if they did, how they reconcile that with the culture that they were in at the time. So, I'm just glad for that purpose that Jesus had in it, to raise up everyone, even at the foot of the cross.
2: It reminds me, too, that there was a time in the first garden that there came a point where man said, Not your will but mine be done. Mm. And now Jesus comes and in the Garden of Gethsemane, he offers an extraordinary sacrifice. Not my will, but yours be done. And shows us how he provides an example to us Mm. of the great sacrifice that we can make moment by moment, day by day, the illustration of what he said if you would be my disciples deny yourself take up your cross and follow me
4: what i'm seeing this time is how how kind god is to his people to constantly remind them do not be afraid and when the angels come with the violent earthquake and moved the stone and sat on it i'm just reminded of my my mighty boys when they do something conquer something and they sit on it Mm -hmm. you know they climb a mountain and they sit on the top they scale the pylons at my parents beach house and they sit on top of them and it's a sign of conquering and joy um But the the guards who did not believe him, who did not follow him, they shook and became like dead men. But the angel says to the woman, do not be afraid. And Jesus says to them, do not be afraid. And I think in our day and age, we need to hear that more. We are surrounded by calamity and difficulty and challenges in our own lives and other people's lives. But we are not unbelievers. We are his. And he says to us, do not be afraid. But to those who don't know him, they will shake. And they will lay down like dead men. But it is not to be for us. Amen. Amen.
1: Um, I feel like this is a time that we should be extremely grateful because I love my child and I'm sure we all love our children very much. And what a gracious God we have that he was willing to sacrifice Mm -hmm. his child. I can't imagine giving mine up. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think a lot of times we're so taken over by what we should be doing instead of just sitting back and being grateful that he was willing to do that to save a bunch of (laughs) sinners. Like, (laughs) Amen
0: Amen to that. Guys are preaching my sermon for me. (laughs) Leonard Ravenhill, the great evangelist, once said that Calvary expresses the love of God. The resurrection explains the power of God. Calvary expresses the love of God, but the resurrection explains the power of God. I believe that the resurrection story is, is indeed about God's power. It's an untamed Demonstration of how powerful God is. It's about how powerful His love is. For God so loved, He gave. This is a giving power. This is a power that resurrects the power of giving, the power of love. See, I believe that Jesus was raised by God's love. And it's the same love that 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 rolls away the stone of the, the from the tomb of our heart that was bound by sin, that was corrupted by sin, that was dominated by sin. God's love comes and rolls away the stone, so that we can come out of that place in victory, in love, redemption, forgiveness. The resurrection is about God's power. The power of love. Awesome display of God's power and love. This is what I really find beautiful about the resurrection story. Because it's not really just about an event. Oh, the event was pretty remarkable. It's about a person. It's about Jesus. This whole story is about Jesus. Jesus. And he includes us in this great story. He includes every one of us into this great narrative, this great story of his life, what he came to do, what he accomplished on the cross, what he did when he was resurrected by the great power and love of God, is invite us into this story forever. But it's not just an event to, to be celebrated, although we should celebrate this event. There's a lot of people out there that say that we, you shouldn't this is just a day. No, it's not. This is not just a day. This is Resurrection Day. Jesus in John 11: 25 to 26, he's, he's talking to Martha. He said to her, "I am the what? The resurrection and the life." Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asks a beautiful question. An extremely powerful question. He says, do you believe this? Do you believe this? What I just told you. That I am the resurrection and the life. And that whoever believes in me will never, ever, 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 ever ever, ever. die. Do you believe what he says? I think that question is still asked of us today. Jesus asks this question because he knows in a few days from that time period he is going to Jerusalem. That he is going to be betrayed. That he's going to be handed over to the authorities. That he's going to be accused of things that he never committed. That he's going to be beaten beyond recognition. That he's going to hang on a cross, choking on his own blood, and he's going to die. Jesus knows this. And he asks this question. He reminds them that, that he is the resurrection. Because they need to know. Him. He's about to raise Lazarus from the dead. He's making a huge statement here. He also loves Lazarus. And he's sad that this man has died. But he's making a huge statement here. That death is nothing to him. Life is everything to him. And he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He's going to do it. But he's saying, do you believe this? Do you believe that I'm the resurrection and the life? Not just the event. That I am. Do you believe me? Will you believe me? Can you believe me? I reflect on this. And I'm amazed about this part. I don't know if you ever thought about it. There's two things I thought about to me are pretty amazing. I hope you find them amazing too, but they were amazing to me. I wonder how Lazarus feels when he hears Jesus has died. I wonder this man has just been raised from the dead and a few days later, the very person who raised him from the dead is crucified and dies. His friend, his Lord, his Messiah, is dead. This really blew me away thinking about how Lazarus must have felt. Be honest with you, I don't know if there's really a point to that. I'm just telling you, this is something that really, really racked my brain and my spirit this time. How did the disciples feel? We kind of know because they were locked away, afraid. Not knowing if it was going to be them next. They're they're hiding their plans, their dreams, their hopes has has died. And they don't know what to do next. But then Sunday comes. Resurrection day comes. There is an angel who comes down and rolls away this stone. This one to two ton stone rolls it away. There's an earthquake. (laughs) Resurrection shakes things up. We have tough Roman guards, the toughest soldiers on the planet at that time, fade away like children because of the sight of it. We have an angel hanging up, on, sitting on the stones, basically, I think, saying, no one even attempt to roll this stone back. This stone ain't going back. We have disciples, both men and women, running back and forth to the tomb to see what's going on. The tomb is now empty except for two angels hanging out in there and some empty grave clothes and a face cloth that was folded. The angel says, He's not here. See, that's the words that got me this year. Those words, He's not here. totally blew me away this year. He's not here. And I'm thinking if Jesus is not hanging around some place that is full of death, through of decay, through of corruption, then why do we sometimes hang around the same places? And I'm talking about those those places in our life that that we allow our past to lie to us about who we are. Those places that we think have to stay dead and decaying. But the Messiah could bring back to life. Because he makes what? All things new. So if Jesus is is not here, he's not in a dead zone anymore, then why do we hang around these dead zones in our lives? When we have resurrection power promised to us. Now I go back to Lazarus and I start to think, okay, now this, how does Lazarus feel now? This man has gone through a roller coaster series of emotions and events in just a few days. He was sick. He died. Jesus raises him from the dead. He hears that his Messiah, his master, his friend has died. And now, he hears that his Messiah is alive again. See, this is fascinating for me to think about how this man might have felt. Because it leads me to another question. And maybe you haven't thought about this, but this one was the second question that God really took me over the edge and why I'm I'm finding it very hard to contain myself. I wonder how Jesus felt on resurrection morning. How did Jesus feel on Resurrection morning. I didn't plan that but it's pretty good effect, God. And that's kind of that's kind of cool. because I'm thinking that Jesus is feeling pretty good about being resurrected. <laughs> I'm thinking, this man has conquered death once and for all. He's made a mockery of the enemy's plans. A mockery of it. I feel like Jesus is laughing at the enemy, saying, Really? You think this was going to stop me? Really? I'm thinking Jesus is doing really good about being alive again. I'm thinking Jesus is saying, you know what? This God power that I have, I'm going to exercise it a little bit around this time. I'm going to pop in in and out of places, disappearing here and there, showing up in places that people didn't expect. Some people are not going to recognize me at first and then they're going to get it. I think Jesus is extremely joyful at this moment. And he's expressing it in many different ways. He walks alongside two men walking out of Jerusalem and they don't recognize him at first. Just traveling with them for a while. And then they realize that it's Jesus. Even Mary doesn't recognize Jesus at first. Because I believe I'm believe that most of the time these people are expecting Jesus to still be dead. So yes, Jesus has a... What was the word I used this morning? It wasn't glorified. I said glorified. Glorified body. <laughs> it's not a word. I made it up. I'm thinking that Jesus is feeling really good about being resurrected because He knows what it means for us. He knows that resurrection power is now released for us. That we can walk in it. That we can talk with it. And we can live it. I find that extremely overwhelming this morning. That this is what Jesus has done for us. He's opened up a way for us to be free. To be really alive. Ephesians 2, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. I'm thinking that you know, Jesus is rolling, rolling away stones in our life all the time, trying to open up those dead areas of our life and bring us back to life. The resurrection was an event that happened, but resurrection life is happening with us over and over and over again in our lives, making us more and more free as we experience life with Jesus Christ. That is resurrection power. Changing the way we think. Changing the way we believe, changing the way we act, and then changing the way we live. I believe that Jesus takes those those garments that were were wrapped in the, the, the grave clothes and he unravels them and he gives us garments of praise. I think these lungs that were once choking with sin now breathe in salvation and out salvation. These hearts that were corrupted, that felt like stone, are now alive. They beat with the love of Christ. This is what resurrection power does. It changes every nuance of who we are. Every atom of who we are. Every part of who we are. It renews, it restores, it sets free to really live like Him. This is is resurrection power. I just talked for about 15 minutes. Anybody have anything to say now? Is this making a dent? Is this making an impression? Is this like that motorcycle revving you up? You're funny. God plays with me all the time. I love that about him. I love that. Don't you love that about God? God is playful. Do you ever think about that for a second? God is extremely playful. Extremely playful. Just look at each other. See how playful He is. (laughs) You are wonderfully and beautifully made in the image of God. He wants you free. He wants resurrection power to be free, released in you every day of your life. Not a one time event. Something that changes your walk from this day until the day you are with Him in glory. That's what He wants freedom. We don't hang around the tomb anymore. The tomb is empty. There's an angel saying, you know, no one's going to get into this place and no one's going to roll that stone back. It's not happening. So let's move away from that dead zone. Let's move into life. Let's accept every part of the life that he has for us. I think resurrection power gives us power to leave. Gives us power to leave. Colossians 3, 1-2 says this, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ... Keep seeking the things above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are of on earth. I believe that the power to leave means to leave that dead zone. To leave dead things behind. And when we're talking about Thinking about things above. It's really talking about having a mind of Christ. And here to me is a perfect example of the mind of Christ. It's found in Philippians. Chapter 2, verse 5. Starting in verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or to hold on to but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. See, humbleness enables you to leave things behind. Because you're not worried about yourself. And the less that we are consumed with ourselves, the easier it is to walk away from dead things. Because dead things, they want to corrupt you. Dead things want to hold on to you. But we're free. We can have our minds set on things above. God's plans. God's thoughts. The way God looks at us. The way what God thinks about us as sons and daughters of the most high. See, that should give us the power to walk away from dead things. Things that want to hold us back and corrupt our, our growth and our progress. Resurrection power gives us power to leave. I think resurrection power gives us the power to love. Romans 5.5 5 says this, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Did you hear that? God's love has been what? Poured into us. That Greek word means poured to it overflows. A continuous pouring until it overflows. While we were yet sinners, what? Christ died for us. When we were enemies of God, God sent His Son to die for us. That is is love in its purest form? That's the love He's pouring inside of us. The very same love. It is. It is meant to pour into us, so that what that it overflows and pours what out of us. Resurrection power gives us power to love. I think resurrection power gives us power to lift. Second, uh, Second Corinthians. Verse 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We have this wonderful power, this wonderful ministry, this wonderful opportunity to lift others. To lift stones off others. Away from others. The Greek word here for ministry means to serve. To serve. The Greek word for reconciliation means to restore to favor. To restore to favor. And what is favor? Favor is the kindness of God. It's His approval, His acceptance, and the delight that He has in us. Resurrection power gives us lifting power. It helps us lift people's eyes to see who the Father really is. So that they find favor with God. And what is the greatest favor for God? What is the really greatest? It's His kindness that leads us to what? Repentance. To find favor with God is to find forgiveness of sins. And to be restored to being sons and daughters of His. There's no greater favor than that. Resurrection power gives us power to live. Romans 6, 4 says this, For we have died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. This is the power to live free. There are no tombs holding us back anymore. We can walk free. The Greek word here for newness of life really just means renewal. Renewal. But a constant state of renewal. Something that is continuously happening in our lives. This is newness of life, folks. This is resurrection power released in us. We don't have to live in dead zones. Stay in dead zones. We can walk free. We can walk in power because that's what He's given us. Resurrection power. We walk in the power because we have heard His word. It says in John 5, 24 to 25, it says this, More surely I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death into life More sure, most assuredly I say unto you the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear
3: will live. Wow.
0: That is power. We have the power to leave we have the power to lift. We have the power to love. We have the power to live because of what he did on Resurrection Day. Oh, it's powerful.